You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 8. Ushers will have a Bible for you if you don't have one. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is where we've uh, been uh, last week and going to be this week and for a number of weeks until the end of the the school year, until the end of the ministry year. And really the the whole sermon series is about this. If you look at the little subtitle in Romans 8, it says life in the spirit. It is really about a life that is wholly alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about how we can now live powerfully for Jesus Christ, how we can live a spirit filled spirit and powered life. Here's the reality of all that comes before this in chapters 1 to 7 of Romans. When you are saved, when you profess your faith in Jesus Christ, here's the first thing that God does in you. He, he gives you the Holy Spirit to invade your life and transform your heart. When we think of heart, we have to think of this little thing that pumps blood, but our heart is so much more than that. Our heart is, is the center of your being, and when the Holy Spirit invades your heart, he is also invading your mind and your emotions and your will. In other words, he changes absolutely everything about you. Sometimes we think it's just about my feelings now, not what I think, yet the Holy Spirit's complete transformation in you involves transforming what you think. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, here's what he does in our minds. This is important. This is where the pastor is going. Here's what he does in our minds. He doesn't just take out the old mind and scrub it off and put it back in again, clean us up a little bit. Here's what he does. He takes out the old mind and he gives us a brand new mind that is reprogrammed with the things of God. Isn't that pretty amazing? I've used this illustration before, and I'm not trying to endorse one or the other, but it's sort of like your old PC breaks down. He doesn't just take out the hard drive and clean it up and put it back in. He takes out the hard drive and puts a Mac operating system in there. It's a whole new way of relating and thinking, and so we have to get this because this whole passage talks about this reality that in Jesus Christ, we have been given the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to now live out the Spirit-filled life in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that you're given the mind of Christ now to govern and to guide and to guard your life. This is where our freedom in life comes from. It comes from, first and foremost, the new mind we have to think along the lines of God. Let me read this for you. You'll get this as we understand this. This is, you know, we've talked about last week, you know, there's no condemnation. So now where does it go from there? It says we talked about how we can now walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And all you guys are like, tell me how to do that. Tell me how to do that. I said it's coming, right? Here's how we live out the realities of verse four. It's verse five. For those who live according to the flesh, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, what do they do? They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh, get this, cannot please God. Good news, the gospel. You, however, if you're saved, you, however, are not in the flesh, but you live in the spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God truly dwells in you, anyone therefore who has, does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to God. 
But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Plain and simply, this is the word of God and it tells us how we're supposed to, how we can live the spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life in Jesus Christ. And it starts with our mind. See in the first few verses, verse five to eight, how many times the mind is said there? It said five times. What is the mind? It's the basic thought patterns of your life. This is part of the gospel. Jesus Christ didn't just come to save you from your sins, but to change the basic thought patterns of your life to move them to the glory of God. And this is so important for us to, to realize the, the role that our mind plays in our Christian living in our lives in Christ. Our minds are the engine that drives and powers everything in our lives. Our minds can either steer us, you get this, right? Our minds can either steer us towards God or away from God regardless of how we feel inside. Our minds are really the engines that drive the train of our lives. And so if you look at the little diagram up here that I sort of came up with to, to help you understand this before we get into it, the, 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 our minds really control, you have the diagram there? of the, 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 the train, there it is. Our minds are the engine that drives the train. And our minds, our heads drive everything about our lives. They affect, what we think affects our feelings and affects our actions. And so where the mind goes, everything seems to follow. And I know some of you are thinking, that's not me, I'm an emotional person, I'm emotional. I'm driven by emotions. I really don't think when it comes to decisions, I just go like, whatever makes me feel good. But behind what makes you, drives your emotions is, you know what it is, is a thought process. It's a thought pattern of what you truly believe in your head. And so it's so vital, it's so vital to have spirit-saturated thoughts in order to have spirit-filled feelings and then righteous actions of the Lord. And so this is crucial for us. This is crucial for us to understand what God has for us in this life and really what God saved us to. This is good news. It's so important to understand this because it says in these few verses this, what I think reflects the state of my soul. It doesn't just drive the reality of your life. What you think actually reflects the state of your soul. Look at verse five. For those who live according to their flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? It's death. It's the state of your soul. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It's the vibrancy of the soul in God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it says for those who live according to, it's really the basic spiritual nature, this basic spiritual pattern of thinking. And this passage points out for us, for us, there's two ways, there's two ways of living. There's two ways of thinking as we walk through this life. We all wanna be where God is. We all wanna do what God wants to do. It starts with the way you think. There's two ways of thinking. Only two. No halfway in between. What are they in this passage? It's those who set their minds on the flesh and those who set their minds on the spirit, those who walk by a basic pattern of thinking of the flesh, and those who walk by a basic pattern of thinking by the spirit. The flesh being the carnal man, the spirit being Christ-likeness. So it starts here with helping us understand what it means to set our minds on the things of the flesh. 
To set our minds on the things of the flesh, it says, are, is dead to the things of God. The ESV study Bible helps us understand this one sentence quite well. Here's how it defines setting your minds. Here's how it defines setting your minds on carnal things or things of the flesh. Set my mind on things of the flesh means this. Even evaluating your own heart. Is this what I do on a daily basis? If it is, I'm not really living by the Spirit. I'm not really living by the fullness of what God intends and has given me the capacity to live by. Here's what it means. To think continually about and constantly desire the things characteristic of fallen, sinful human nature. That is, to think just the way that the unbelieving world thinks to emphasize what it thinks is important, pursuing what it pursues in disregard of God's will. Living sinful by worldly thinking means this, that the spirit of God is is not just not your platoon chief, but he may be totally missing in action. To think along the ways of the world. If our thought process is just like everybody else is around us, there's something drastically wrong because the Holy Spirit of God has been given to us that that might not be so anymore. Putting it this way, if you can finish the world's sentences with ease and such natural propensity, then that'd be good indication that you are filling your mind not with the things of God, but with fleshly things, with carnal desires. And, and honestly, carnal thinking leads to carnal actions. What, where's this gonna lead us? It's gonna lead us wherever your thoughts go. Galatians 5 gives us a great list of what it looks like to think according to the flesh because as we think, so our lives go. And Galatians 5 points out for us a list of actions that have been birthed through one's thought life and they include stuff like this, like sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality and idolatry, even thinking other things are more glorious than God, and sorcery and enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions and envy. Comparing and contrasting two different ways of living and thinking and let me tell you this, if the Holy Spirit is the park ranger of your life, He's not gonna let you camp in the dangerous places the minds of the flesh want to go. He's actively alerting you to danger and doesn't want you to get comfortable in no camping zones for your own good. And this is simply the the minds of the flesh. And let's be honest together today, it sometimes seems like the minds of the flesh dominate more than the lines, the, the, the mind of the flesh dominates more than the mind of the spirit, doesn't it? We're gonna to get to the battle in a minute, but first we're just gonna unpack the truth of it. If we are born in Jesus Christ, if he has truly saved us, this will no longer be the pattern of our thinking because of the power of you. No, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Contrast that with the Christ-like mindset, which is minds fully alive to God. So those who, those who are walking carnally set their minds on the things of the flesh. I think you understand what that is, a worldliness and sin. But those who live according to the Spirit, here's what they do. They set their minds on things of the Spirit. Those who are born in Jesus Christ now 
Strive for the overall, to, to make the overall pattern of our thinking delight in the laws of God, as Romans 7, says. It's a mind consumed with the spirit of God. So to flip that little definition around from the ESV study Bible of what it is to walk in the flesh, here's what it is to walk in the spirit. Continually thinking about and constantly dwelling on the things that align with the character and the practice of God. That is, to think the way God thinks to emphasize what he thinks is important and to pursue what he pursues. Let me say that again to make sure you got that. To think Christ-like, to think Christ-like then is simply this, is to continually think about and constantly dwell on the things that align with the character and the practice of God. That is to think the way God thinks, to emphasize what he thinks is important and pursue what he pursues. Really it's to love the will of God. And, and let's get this straight. We often think of spirit-filled thinking as this sort of in the clouds, sort of this, this mysterious kind of way of, of super spiritual thinking. It's, it's not really what it is to walk with the mind of Christ. The walking with the mind of Christ doesn't lose touch with reality. In fact, it brings the mind of Christ into your reality as you go to work, as you even mow the lawn and do grocery shopping and clean the house and interact with your family on a lazy Saturday afternoon, the mind of Christ comes with you in all of the unspiritual things of life to change you to be thinking like Christ and being used of Christ in this world. The mind of Christ is simply this. You, you, Romans, Philippians, sorry, Philippians 4, 8 tells us what the mind of Christ is. It's bringing the, the, the mind of God in whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. It's bringing all these things into your everyday life. It's really a mind that's open to allowing God to download these things into your hard drive. Because again, we can't manufacture these things on our own. You ever tried to manufacture good thoughts? Oh my goodness, is it almost like a losing battle, isn't it? It's as we surrender ourselves and open our minds and say, God, fill me with your thoughts. That's how Philippians 4, 8 happens. That's how Romans 8 happens. And this is so important for us to get some of these theological truths because it says here that we have a role in this. It's not just, well, I hope God fills me with his thoughts today. It's that we can set our minds, it says, those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So we have a choice, an active choice every day. We can, what we're gonna set our minds on today. To set is, is sort of to, to decide, to, to go after. It's like, what are you gonna put in the crosshairs of your in the, in the focus of your crosshairs of your scope of life today? Is it gonna be thoughts of the flesh or is it gonna be thoughts of the spirit? And notice thoughts of the flesh. We have a choice, an active choice. We wake up in the morning, we're gonna to choose to pursue the things of Christ in our minds or the things of the enemy in our minds. And notice this in verse six, for to set the mind on the flesh is what? It's death. It, notice how it doesn't say it leads to Death or it might result in death, you know what it is? It is death. Mind control by the flesh means that the soul is dead ultimately and apart from God. It's really even talking about here how we know if we're saved, whether our minds are controlled by 
Jesus are controlled by the enemy. For a mind that has not been changed to the pattern of thinking like Christ is simply still dead. And, and quite, quite honestly, it doesn't matter what we, how much we dress ourselves up and how big of a smile we put on our face and how many times we come to church on a Sunday and how much we pray and how much we read the Bible. If, if our basic pattern of thinking has not been changed, the biblical reality is this. Plain and simply, it's this. That regardless of what anyone else thinks, we are simply like a corpse, a well-dressed corpse, all pedicured and manicured in a funeral home. If we continue to live, as 1 John 2.16 points out, by the thinking of the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possessions, and we're no different than anyone else, then it's not just that we missed out maybe on a little bit of life of Christ, that we're still, still dead in Christ. You have to get the full opposite to get the full reality of the meaning of this. And the opposite is also true, though. Verse 6b, to set the mind on the things of the flesh is death, but the opposite of this is true. To set the mind on the spirit is what? It's the opposite of death. It's life and peace. Spirit-filled thinking doesn't lead to life. Spirit-filled thinking is life. Thinking like Christ isn't like gonna enhance your life. This is your life in Jesus Christ. And it's peace with God and with yourself. And notice how de- it's, it's death, but this is life. It doesn't just, it, death leads to death. It, thoughts that aren't of the Lord, thoughts are of the enemy lead you down this twisting road of descent to the whirlpools of angst. But, but when you set your mind on things of Christ, it leads you to the open freeway of life that drives along the road of God's blessing and favor and passes by the quiet still waters of peace. Spirit-filled thoughts always lead to life and peace. Spirit-filled thoughts always leave, leave you to, I'm going to bed at night and I have peace in my heart. Why? Because I know I'm good with God by the grace of God. And I know that God's good with me because there's no condemnation through Jesus Christ and so then I can be okay with myself and be good with myself because of the peace that God gives me through my knowledge of him. If the thoughts of the flesh lead to death, here's what the thoughts of the spirit do. They, they lead you to strengthen your relationship with Christ and add to your godliness. Spirit-filled thoughts elevate you to the heights of heaven. They elevate you to the heights of heaven while flesh plummets you to the pit of hell. Flesh leads to death and sin and fear and anxiety. The spirit-filled thinking leads to life and peace and righteousness and faith and ultimately rests. Let me just stop here at the end of verse six and just simply ask you, so if you would evaluate the last week or the last month of your thoughts, are you living by the flesh or by the spirit of God? Are you, is your thought life where nobody else can see and you're all by yourself, but, but is your thought life leading you to places to, to desire Christ and long for Christ and want more of Christ and more of what Christ wants for you? Or is your thought life leading you to despair and angst and stress and worry and fear? Is your thought life leading you to the heights of heaven or is it plummeting you to the pit of hell because Jesus Christ came to save us free from allowing our thoughts to plummet us to the pit of hell? and instead set us free that we might have thoughts that elevate us to the heights of heaven. Do a little internal, internal check on your own heart right now. 
between you and God, nobody else, you and God? Is your thinking spirit-filled thinking? Because you can be sure if your, spirit, your, your thinking is Christ-filled thinking, then your life will follow, your emotions will follow, your actions will follow. It, it is the key to a successful, quote-unquote successful, to a godly, is a better word, to a godly life, to a fulfilling life in Jesus Christ. Not only that, though, but my thoughts also reveal my true allegiance. My thoughts also reveal my true allegiance. My thoughts reveal who I really stand for. Am I for God or am I against God? Can't be both. Can't be for God and against God at the same time. It's like in my house, we have kind of two allegiances. In our house, I'm a Leafs fan, as you guys know. My wife and my son and everyone else, it seems, are Habs fans. And so we cheer for both all year long. We cheer for both, but there's a couple times a year now where, where the reality really comes out, right? When the least play the Canadians on a Saturday night, we really know where each other stands, right? There's no denying. The trash talking's going. The, when it comes to our thoughts, ultimately, when it comes to our thoughts, we must also, when it comes down to it, pick or choose, will my thoughts reflect my allegiance to Jesus or will they reflect, reflect my allegiance to the enemy? Here's what this passage points out for us in verses 7 and 8. Carnal mindsets aren't just like, uh, oh, it's a bad deal, I shouldn't do this. Carnal mindsets are actively opposed to God. They're actively opposed to God. Look at the things in here. For the mind that is set on the flesh is, what is it? Hostile to God. Does not submit to God. It's rebellious to God. In fact, it can. Those who are in the flesh cannot actually please God. It's unpleasing to God. Think of these, think of these terms here. Uh, I sometimes think that we don't understand the full significance of what our thoughts really are and where they take us and what they mean to God. Our thoughts, your thoughts matter to God. It's not just your actions that matter to God. It's your thoughts that matter to God as well. Thinking carnally, your thoughts are hostile to God. Think of what hostile means. It's really a state of enmity or hatred towards, not just opposed to, but in conflict with. Think of this war on terror. The U.S. and the coalition are in constant battle with ISIS, and there is hostility there, and every chance the one gets, the other's throwing a, not just a, coming after you across the borders, but they're Surprise bombs and surprise attacks. and That's the mind and the heart that dwells in the flesh. It's, really, it's, it's at war with God and his nature. It's, it's not just hostile, but it's rebellious. It's a mind that refuses to submit to God's ways. It completely chooses to not pick up what God puts down. You say, you picking up what I'm putting down? We're like, yeah, I'm picking it up. Well, it's like, I know what you're putting down, but I'm just choosing today to not pick it up. It's a mind that knows the word of God but chooses to run in the opposite direction. It's rebellious to God. That's what it means when it does not submit to God's law. It's rebellious to God. It's unpleasing to God. Well, God can never be unpleased with me. He loves me. In fact, God can be unpleased with us as we choose to walk a different, a different path than God. It, it, choosing to walk in the flesh and our thinking brings God profound sad, sadness and it's a disapproving frown from him. 
The carnal thought process cannot please God. What's this look like on an everyday basis? This is the, this is the thought, this is the mind that doesn't give God a second thought throughout the day or the week. Maybe on Sunday we'll give God a second thought, but throughout the day or the week, it doesn't give God a second thought. It's, a, it's the mind, a carnal mind. It's a mind that chooses to dwell on anger and hate for that oh-so-offensive or bothersome person. It's the, the mind that plots Revenge and how to expose or bring down your foes. It's the mind that chooses to covet what others have and complain about what I have. It's the mind that lets lust run wild and it fills your minds with images and graphics and pornography that are not anywhere near the mind of Christ. It's a mind that allows all the what ifs and the could be's dominate and lead to fear. It's a mind that lets negativity reign. It's a mind that ultimately thinks absolutely everything to do with opposite of what it means to be in Jesus Christ. Quite honestly, this passage really means that if that is the way that you think on an everyday basis, we know that these things aren't true of believers, right? The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile God to God. We know that believers are made what? We're made friends with God. We're not hostile to God anymore. We're not enemies of God. God's taken enemies and made us friends. We know as believers, we want to submit to the law of God on some measure because the Holy Spirit does that in us. We know as, as God's people that, that we can please God. So what's this really saying to us? This is saying if this is the pattern of your thinking, it's never been changed, always the same. You scratch your head when you look at other people thinking like, what are they? What are they? I have never experienced that thought process before. This is saying that you are probably still dead in your sin and trespasses and never become a true follower of Jesus Christ. Because it says in verse nine, look, here's the good news of the gospel. Here's where the gospel truly changes everything. You, however, he's talking to believers in this passage, right? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, circle that word, if, in fact, the spirit of God, I added this word, truly dwells in you. So this is the good news. It's been a lot to contemplate, isn't there? This, this is what I love about the Bible. There's a lot to contemplate as we read the Bible. It's not just like a, a lot of self-evaluation going on. There's a lot of, God, what do you really want me to hear going on? I hope you're not just sitting here going like, just get to the good part. I want to skip the path. Just get to the good part because the, the tough parts bring you to the good parts and, and, and help you get to the good parts in a greater way. But here's where the gospel comes in. If we're believers, our minds have been so radically changed by Jesus Christ that all those things we just finished saying and reading and even the little, here's how it plays out in your life, that's not us. That doesn't describe us because the Spirit of God does dwell in us. You know what the Spirit of God does? He moves in to our lives. Doesn't just come alongside and pat us on the back. He actually moves into our, our hearts, our minds and our emotions and our wills. He moves in and becomes a permanent resident. Doesn't just visit for a little while. He becomes a permanent resident. When he moves in, here's what, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings the character of God with him. He brings the practices and customs of God with him. And he's one of those roommates that moves in that you can't help. He's got such a personality and such a... Uh, Charisma that you can't help but become like him. And so if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, what he does, he brings a whole new outlook on life with us, God's outlook, God's perspective, God's way of thinking, and my, my whole life has changed because it starts right here. 
It says in Ephesians 4, 23, that believers are renewed in the spirit of your mind. Think of even who you were before Christ and how you think after Christ. We've been renewed. How did that renewal happen? Not because you're good and you're smart and all the things you did. It's because the Holy Spirit moved in and started renovating our thoughts. We've been renewed in the spirit of our mind and the overall, overall pattern of thinking has been and is being transformed, that's Romans 12, 1, by the word of God through the spirit of God. This is a life fully alive in Jesus Christ, wholly alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, one that's been radically changed in our thinking and sort of emphasizes the negative in this passage, doesn't it? It doesn't really get to the, this is what is not, but here's what is. Just take the opposites of all those things in verses seven and eight, and this is what the mind of Christ, when I live by the Spirit, I show that I'm on God's side, is Christ control. Here's what the mind of Christ looks like. Instead of being hostile to God, it welcomes God. The mind empowered by the Holy Spirit and surrendered to the Holy Spirit is a mind that welcomes God and, and is eager to make the things of God your things. The mind alive to Jesus is a life that's this, that is always making an effort to tune your mind into God's station, his word. And you're always adjusting the frequency to make sure that you can hear him more clearly and constantly turn the volume of the voice Lord up to drown out the static of the world. More than anything else, the, 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 the spirit-filled life is the one that wants the mind and the wisdom of God to overtake yours because you know in your own mind and wisdom you got nothing. Amen? It welcomes God to the fact that as believers we are open-minded to God and closed-minded to the world unlike the other way around. It's not rebellious to God, it's submissive to God. When God's thoughts are your thoughts, when God's thoughts and your thoughts clash, you're eager to throw up the white flag and say, God, I'm gonna go with you on this one. This is the mind that's controlled by the Spirit. I'm not gonna fight for my rights on this one. I'm not gonna fight for what I think is best. My, my only battle is gonna be, be to allow the Holy Spirit to dominate my thinking, and I am gonna actively look for ways to build bridges in my thinking to God's and not find loopholes and ways to get around what he says. This is, this is a heart alive, this is a mind alive to Jesus. It is, it is ultimately pleasing to God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but by God's grace, those who are in the spirit can please God. And our desire is to please God. Just like most of us naturally want to please our earthly parents, if we have the Spirit of God living in us, we naturally want to please our Heavenly Father. We want to bring Him joy and gladness, not trying to earn it, and He loves us already perfectly, but trying to just show the fact that we love Him back by pleasing Him. And the reality is we often forget, we often forget that God sees not just our words and our actions, but He sees what we think. I'm going to please God with my actions. I'm going to please God with my lips. But God is also pleased by what rattles around between your ears. And what rattles around between your ears is actually a thank offering to God for his gift of Jesus. So here's the reality of what a Christ-controlled mind looks like. Again, this is a compare and contrast passage. I'm just going to compare and contrast what I said, but what a mind that is carnal looks like. Here's what a mind that's in Christ look like, looks like. A mind that is controlled by Christ is one that's constantly thinking about God and godliness throughout the day. It's a mind filled with worship and praise, delighting in God over my idols. Uh, two that I think of are materialism and self-gratification. I delight in God over my idols. 
I'm more concerned with how I can love and bless and serve others that they might see Jesus than worrying about how people are going to serve me today. I choose to believe the best about people and, and look for the best in people and think of ways to build them up. I am driven by content and thankfulness. I fill my idle times with God's truth rather than the garbage of the world. I am one who is constantly finding myself thinking God thoughts to the point of this where I open up the Bible and I read in my devotions and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I just thought that thought yesterday. I didn't know it was in God's word. That's cool. That's not because you're smart. It's because the God's, God's spirit is controlling your mind and he's moving you towards godliness. This whole sanctification thing is not just in our actions and our feelings, it's also in our minds to become more like Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here it is, here it is in summary, if you want to throw that, that slide up. So here it is in summary, here's what it is. Those are brains, hopefully you picked up on that. Here's carnal thinking, it's death, it's hostile, it's rebellious, it's unpleasing. Here's Christ-like, it's peace and life, it's welcoming to God, it's submissive to God, it's pleasing to God. find yourself this morning with a dark mind or an enlightened mind to the things of Jesus. Be honest. Good news of the gospel is this. When the Holy Spirit moves in to be your coach, your thought coach, he is too motivated to let you sit around. He cares too deeply to let you wander off and he has your best at heart in all things. He works hard to make this your reality, the right side over the left side. This is the reality that God has for you. This is what the Holy Spirit does in you. This is what the Holy Spirit is constantly saying in your head to you and, and, and moving you towards your role And this is simply first and foremost to surrender, to surrender to God and to trust that the coach knows best every single time. But let's be honest. Let's be honest this morning, that is truth. The Holy Spirit moves in, he is your ultimate head coach and he will work hard to, to get you to this place. But if you're anything like me, you look at these and you're like, man, I see a little bit of both in me. You ever, you ever been there? I just see a little bit of both in me. Does that mean I'm not saved? Does that, does that mean that because I see a lot of the death and hostility and rebellion and unpleasantness, does that, does that mean I don't love Jesus? Just because I don't have as much peace in life and welcome and submission and pleasingness to God, does that mean, it doesn't mean that at all. Here's what Galatians 5 says. It might mean that today, so don't, don't minimize that. It might mean that today. If your thought pattern has not changed ever, it might mean that today, that you might be thinking you're in Christ, you're not. But here's the other reality we have to bring into this. This is really a passage of like in Christ or out of Christ. It's just, that's the way the passage goes. I didn't even think that when I started studying it, but that's the way the passage goes. So I'm just trying to say what the passage says. But here's the other reality we have to bring into this as believers because I think everyone in this room would say, I want that peace and that life. I want the Christ-like mindset. Here's the other reality that is just real. It doesn't mean you're not saved if you're not living this like Ned Flanders always in the clouds thinking like Jesus. The reality is Galatians 5 tells us this, that the flesh and spirit are in opposition to each other to keep you from doing good. There's a battle going on in your mind, it's like mind wars, it's going on. And so we do have a role in this, that's why it says set your mind and think about these things and we do have a role in this and, and here's the reality, here's what's ultimately gonna determine if you're a believer, here's what's ultimately gonna determine where your mind stays is what you're gonna choose to fill it with. 
What you fill your mind with is what is going to dominate your thinking. In Billy Graham's book, Activating God's Power in Your Life, called The Holy Spirit, he tells this story which I think really helps us understand this whole truth and reality of what's happening in our minds and hearts. It's a story about an Eskimo a fisherman who came to town every Saturday afternoon and with him he always brought his two dogs. One was black and one was white and he'd set up in the middle of the town and, and he taught them how to fight on command and so he set up in the middle of the town and everyone would gather around he'd take bets on which one was gonna win and which one was gonna lose and then he'd teach them to fight on command. It was amazing because they both were about the same size and yet one, one week the black dog would win and the other week the white dog would win and in the end the Eskimo would always win. They seemed to always win. At the end of one of these matches, one of the uh, townsmen came to him and said, like, sir, like, how, how do you always seem to know which one's going to win? Kind of smiled and kept on walking. He's like, no, 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 tell me. How, how do you know? How, how can you predict which one's going to win? He's like, it's super easy. All week long, I feed one and not the other. <laughs> it comes to game time, one's strong. The other's weak. They may look the same, but they're completely different. It's the same reality for us when it comes to this whole, how do you win the battle of the mind? How, how can you really be submitted and allow the spirit to really control you so that you are actually in your mind thinking the thoughts that maybe come unnatural to your flesh, but you're like, hey, this is good. I love being in this place. How do we get to that place? It, it, it matters what you feed your mind, just like it matters what you feed your body. We can't be fit if we're going to eat junk food and chicken wings and chips. And we, I'm working out like crazy, but you're filling your body with the wrong stuff. Guess what? It's just not going to work. I've tried. If that was a diet plan, we'd all, be really, we'd all do really well, wouldn't we? But it's the same principle when it comes to feeding your mind. How is the mind going to be strong in the Lord? How can we come to a place where we are really living wholly alive by the power of the Holy Spirit? It comes down to, yes, the Spirit of God, but it comes down to what you feed your mind. Not just on Sunday morning for an hour and a half. This is all well and good. But what you feed your mind on a daily, ongoing basis. Are you going to choose this week to feed your mind with the crud of the world and the movies and the video games and the books that, have, that lead you down a carnal path? Or are you going to choose to fill your mind with the, the word of God and, and Christian authors who are going to build you up and uplift you and help you move forward in a mindset of Jesus Christ? Are you going to allow the thoughts that come naturally to you that that are of the flesh continue to dwell within you? Are going to camp on those and and have fun with those and and build upon those? Or are you going to squash them the moment they come in and choose, this is not truth, I am going to follow Jesus' plan for my thought process today? Are you going to feed the flesh? Are you going to feed the spirit? Here's three ways you can do this as you live this out this week. Three ways you can do this. And don't say you can't because the Holy Spirit Spirit will give you the power to do this. Three A's that you can live out to have transformed thinking. I just don't want to give you the theology. I want to give you the practicalities of how God's word says we can live this out. Do you want to live this out? I want to live this out. Game changer. Think of the weeks you don't live this out. Oh my goodness, they're hard, eh? Oh my goodness, we fail and fail and fail. The weeks we live this out are the weeks that God really does great things in us and through us. Number one is this, take account. Take account of your thoughts. Take every thought captive before God and his word. It says this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Take stock of your thoughts to make sure they're obedient to Jesus. 
How many times do you allow your minds to just wander off and trace rabbit trails of the flesh? How many times do you allow your thoughts to fall off the spiritual cliff of death? Instead of allowing the things of the Lord and his word to permeate your mind. Here's here's a good thing for you to do this week as you take stock of your thought life. If your thought life really tells you where the state of your soul is. Here's something good for you to do. Just take stock of your thoughts this week. Take a, just start thinking, about what am I thinking about right now? How many people walk through life and just this mindlessly let whatever comes in their minds, like just run circles? Is this thought of God? Where is this emotion coming from? It's coming from a thought. What thought is behind this emotion? Is it from God or is it from Satan? And if it's from Satan, God... I want to be done with it and I want to replace it with truth. And if it's from God, I want to grab a hold of that and press it into my mind. Take account of your thoughts. I don't think we do this often, to be honest. We take a lot of account of our actions. Take a lot of account of our feelings. For sure, we're feelings driven. But taking account of your thoughts is the first place to start. Struggling with my relationship. Just can't seem to get it. What are you thinking about that relationship? I'm studying with my, struggling with my son or my daughter. Like, what, what are we really thinking about that? I just can't seem to get along with my neighbor or my boss or, or I'm struggling with sin. Well, what are you really thinking about that sin? Is it more delightful than God or is the sin more, you know what I'm saying? Take account. Second this, agree with God. This is basic. It goes without saying, but truly agree with God. Buy in. Choose to agree with what God says over what, over what you're thinking. I know God says it, but... I know God's word is as plain as day on this, but I'm going to interpret it this way. I know God wants me to think this, but I really like thinking like this right now. I think I deserve it. I think they deserve it. Just stop and agree that God is right and his way is best and you will win if you side with God over your own ideas or anyone else's. Agree that daily the Lord needs to be on the throne of your mind by his grace. And the third one is this. So account, agree, and then simply align. Make a conscious choice every day to adhere to the authority of God. Remember when we were in public school? And the teacher would line up at the door. Everyone had to line up with the teacher. Everyone had to line up with the teacher. No one was going in until everyone was in a perfect line, mouths closed. Remember that? Make a conscious choice every day to align yourself with God and make sure your thoughts aren't jumping to the left or jumping to the right, but we're, we're, we're standing in line with God, our teacher, and we're only going to walk forward when we're in line. Some of us this morning might need to simply repent and say, God, I haven't been thinking like you and I need to repent of that and get back in line with you. Some of us need realignment. I just need to like stop running around in the schoolyard and get in line with God's thinking that you might be ushered into a, the school of God, that he might grow you more. Otherwise, others of us might simply just need to pray for strength. God, give me strength just to stay in line with you. I want to, but I'm so like finding Nemo. I'm all over the place. Butterfly. These three things only happen with this, much prayer, much support, and much effort. Starts with prayer. Pray, pray, pray. If you find your mind in a place other than where God wants it to be, if you find your mind not filled with the Spirit of God, start praying like you've never prayed before. And get other people to start praying for you. Like, just stop, stop pretending that you have it all figured out in your brain. None of us do. I don't either. And be courageous enough to say, hey, you know what? My thoughts are going wild on me. Can you pray for me? I am anxious and sinful. And bl- I just can't. Can you pray for me on this? And, and 
Wouldn't that be so helpful for all of us if we could just be honest with each other about these things? Like, I battle with this as much as you do. My mind's my greatest asset and my worst enemy at the same time, just like yours is. Start praying like you've never prayed before and God will transform your mind. We have little prayer cards on the bottom of our things. I'm astounded, I'm astounded how little prayer requests we have in our church on a weekly basis. I'm like, man, I am emailing my prayer guys every week going like, man, I need prayer. Every week. It's not like, oh, I wonder if I should pray about this week. Oh, I gotta make stuff up. I never have to make stuff up for my prayer sheet to the people that pray for me the most. Start putting those things in your prayer sheet. My mind needs to be transformed by Jesus Christ. And don't just pray for it, but get support from others, from others in your small group, from others that you serve with, from others in your church. Get support on these things. Have people that will encourage you, but also exhort you in the things of Jesus. Hey, where's your mind been lately? That's great, high five, praise the Lord. Oh, really? That's too bad. We, better, we, gotta, we gotta really work at this. What can you do today to change that? How can I keep you accountable? How can I help you in that? Get support on these things and then put effort into it. Put effort into it. If we let our minds sit idle, you know where they're gonna go? Everywhere God doesn't want them to go. An idle mind is the enemy's greatest asset. And we want the right side and not the, we want the right side, the bright side, not the left side and the dark side. Well, you know what it's going to take for all of us? Effort. I thought God did it. Yeah, God does. It's like a sailboat. God does it. Only with the wind can the sailboat go. But anyone a sailor here? There's a lot of work to do on a sailboat too. You don't just sit back, kick your feet up and like watch it go. That laugh was from the guy who's a sailor. There's effort to the Christian faith. There's effort to making sure the boat stays afloat and heads in the right direction. There's effort to making sure our mind stays afloat and heads in the right direction. And when we do that, simply this, your right thinking will lead to righteous living. That's the last point. I just want to touch on these last few verses. This whole passage is really about the mind. But your right thinking will lead to righteous living. Account, agree, align through much prayer, much support, and much effort. And guess what? You'll have a transformed mind and life in Jesus Christ. But if Christ is in you, it says in verse 10, although the body is dead because of sin, even though your old, decaying, falling apart body is still dying, guess what? The spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is growing within your mind and your emotions and your will, the life of Christ, and that's simply gonna lead to a life that is dead to Jesus and alive to Christ, Romans 6. Starts in your mind. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, guess what? Not only will your life follow into a life of righteousness, how can I live a life of righteousness? Getting your mind, in the, your mind in the right place. Guess what? He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't just transform your mind now. He's gonna one day transform your body as well. That's coming up in the next passage, touching on it. He's also gonna transform your body as well to one day be perfect in Jesus' presence. This is the hope we have in the gospel, not just like, oh, Christ saved me from my sins. That's awesome. Now what? Now I've got to struggle and drudge through life and, and try not to sin, sort of. Really, the gospel's more like this. Hey, I was dead in my sin and trespasses. Jesus Christ came and lifted me out of the pit of sin and put me on the path of life, and he also gave me the Holy Spirit that I no longer have to live in my sin, but live alive to Jesus Christ. And guess where it starts? In the mind. I can think like Jesus Christ because his mind has been given to me 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where it starts to be fully alive to Jesus. This is where it starts to walk in the Spirit. This is why we emphasize so much. Pray hard. Get in the Word of God. Get people around you who are going to fill your mind with truth and not lies because this is what... That engine breaks down. That engine leads you the wrong way. But that engine is fired and fueled for Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that engine is heading for Jesus as you take every thought into account, as you agree with God and align with God, and guess what? You will find yourself in territory you've never been before, fully alive by the power of the Holy Spirit, worshiping, praising God for what only God could do. This is the power of a changed life in Jesus. I hope no one's sitting here going like, that's good for you, it's not good for me. This is what God wants to do in you and I today as we submit ourselves to him and say, enough of me, God, I want you. Enough of my thinking. Tried, been there, done that, tried that. I want you and I want your mind to consume my mind that I might see you and see life and see righteousness the way you designed. Let me pray. God, what a powerful reminder. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of the gospel message. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who comes and illuminates our minds and our emotions and our wills for the glory of God. Father, I just simply pray this. Would you transform our minds this morning? We admit this, God. We are sinners. Some of us here have never been transformed in their minds. God, would you open their eyes to see the truth of Jesus and about what you really say in your word and about what you really want for their lives? Do that now, God. For others of us, we struggle with this. We admit, so we're so far from being perfectly spirit-minded, but God, we want to. We so desperately want to. God, would you identify in us right now where our thought processes have gone wrong as our life spirals out of control sometimes. We know it's because of the way we're thinking, God. I pray, I pray that you'd help us identify the wrong way we're thinking wrongly, and God, would you put right and righteousness in its place. God, would you help us now surrender even our minds to you that we might be open-minded to Jesus and closed-minded to the world. God, for all of us, I pray that you would allow us to know the full power of the Holy Spirit. May we not just talk about, may we not just talk about what it means to be wholly alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for my heart included, all of us here, that we would actually experience what the authentic Christian life is in Jesus Christ. This isn't a deeper living. This is the living that you've called us to and granted to us in grace by your Spirit that we might know Jesus in the fullness of life. Please, God, help us, cause us, move us to a place where we are completely spirit-led in all that we think, all that we say, and all that we do, for that's where the abundant life is that you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.